right, this is going to be an incredible, awesome, special episode of the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Now, I'm sure many of you recently have gone out and seen Top Gun Maverick, and and I got to bring you guys way back. Top Gun came out in 1986 when I was in college on a Navy ROTC scholarship. And I ended up getting orders to go to flight school and go to flight training. And I got to fly the mighty F-14 Tomcat. And what you guys saw in Top Gun Maverick was the F-18 Hornet. Now, if had I stayed in the military, I would have gone on and flown the F-18. But you know what? When you guys saw that environment, the dynamic, the high speed, the fast decisions, imagine what you could take away from that and just apply in your life, in your own team. As I've gotten out there and, and been successful in my companies, that training, that foundation on how to treat people, how to build trust, how do you pull, think about this, you show up on a carrier and you got to run a, a maintenance division and a third of your guys had a choice. Do you want to go to jail or do you want to enlist in the military? And they're like, oh, I'm going to take the military. So, Imagine leading a team where they're what they're doing, people's lives depend on, and you are immediately as a young you know man or woman thrown into a leadership situation where you have to work with people that are senior, they're, they're called chiefs, to your most junior guy and pull them together so they actually figure out how to talk, communicate, deal with conflict, and get the work done. It was an amazing foundation to my own personal leadership. And recently, I got introduced to just an amazing, phenomenal human being, John Callsign Gucci Foley. Gucci, welcome to the podcast. Rammer, glad to be here, brother. And uh, I love your intro so much because uh, you and I get it, right? We've both been flying those jets out there, but thanks for having me. Yeah, and you got to fly Hornets. And then, uh, so just uh, guys, a little background. Um, Gucci got out and uh, started speaking on these some of the topics we touched on are on a high performance, a uh, grateful mindset, unbelievable just stories. And I, I love it. You know, there's not a lot of military guys, Gucci, that have a story because that is such a unique experience, but can tell a story in a way that can relate to anybody in the audience because you're 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 pulling out like a universal principle in the story. It's something you do so well. And there's only a handful of guys I know that actually can do that. And now because of that, you are right now, as we speak, one of the top most in-demand speakers in the country. I'm just looking at the list of people you've spoken to. It's like the who's who list of the Fortune 500. And you've also done the NHL, NBA, Penske Racing, on and on and on. I mean, it, it's just incredible. And I know in a whole bunch of CEO summits. So Guys, a little background on Gucci, and we're going to dig into some just really cool stories and things. Uh, lead solo pilot of the Blue Angels. Now, I've been, you know what, the Navy guys, you know, we all make fun of each other and all these other high-performing groups, but every single pilot in the Navy that was not a Blue knew what it take to be a Blue Angel. That was a group that held all of our respects, period, right? You know, full stop. Um, and then out of that, you really learned some lessons on how to develop high-performance teams. And I'd love for you to even share, right? What people saw on Top Gun Maverick, but you guys are flying at 500 miles an hour. You're like 18 inches apart. You're doing maneuvers where you're literally what we call on the edge of the envelope, which means if you go just a 
fraction too more or a little too slow, like you're done, you're ejecting. And it's happened. Uh, there's a friend of Gucci and I's uh, who used to be in my squadron um, who had a fatal accident, a training accident uh, when he was joining the Blues. It, it is not, uh, it's not a safe job. But you know what? It's a calculated risk, right? Yeah. But one of your passions is to breathe life into teams so they can get to their highest potential. And I love that because that, you know, that's what I like to do too. So here's, a, here's what I'd love for you to share. Maybe start, uh, yeah. is just bring us back a little bit and just tell us kind of about your journey up to what you're doing today and maybe some of those highlights that you had when you were an aviator that just stand out that maybe even led you to what you're doing today. Wow. Love it. First off, Rammer, thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you. We've had a chance to uh, semi get to know each other and, uh, and your audience. So first off, uh, when, you were, when you were talking about that, so many things go through my mind. But there's a quote. I was on a, a, a film. It was called Around the World Speed of Sound. It was 1992 when I was on the Blue Angels. And we actually took the team to Europe, but not just Europe. We went to Moscow. Can you imagine that? Which what's all is going on in the world today. So we were the first demonstration team flying in Moscow in 92, flying with the Russians, flew a Russian in my back seat. He flew me in his jet. We had a lot of fun, tried to knock each other out. I did knock him out, by the way. He couldn't knock me out, but we had fun. But the bottom line was what you were just saying is what we did is not dangerous, but it's inherently unforgiving. And that's, that is a quote that I just didn't make up. That was me in 1992 being interviewed. And I think it's, it really puts some context into what we're about to talk about. And that is when you're a high performance team and you all come together, and this is why it relates to business or relates to personal life, what we get to do is decide. You talked about that envelope. When you're on the edge of that envelope, you know, what does it feel like? What does it look like? And how can you tell those, tie those stories back? So for you, really quick, my background, uh, my dad was my hero. I was born in Germany. You know, um, he was an army officer and an engineer. And I'm thinking, well, that's what I want to be. Because if I think about words like integrity and character, that was, you know, I, I didn't need definitions. I just thought of him. My mom was this beautiful lady of compassion and love. And the two of them together, it was an amazing safe environment to grow and, and, and leap. Also, so my dad takes me to an air show. Rammer, I'm 12 years old. I look up in the sky. I see these six magnificent blue jets. And those of you who have been to air shows realize it's not just visceral. It's visceral, right? You feel it, you know, the smoke oil in the air, the thunder, the jets, the crowd. It feels like you're in the national championship football game or something. You can feel the energy, right? And I turned to my dad that day. I said, dad, I'm going to do that. 12-year-old kid, right? No idea how to get there. And just like you, that love of passion of flying hit me, at least I don't know when it hit you, but for me, it hit me in an, in an early age. But then you got to go do something about it, right? And uh, bottom line was, you know, I actually flew in the movie Top Gun in 86 when you were saying you were there. I was on the Enterprise, not in an F-14 squadron. I actually was in an A-7 squadron at the time. But I was there on the carrier scenes, did fly the F-14, the turkey that you flew, which and we both know, an amazing airplane, difficult to bring aboard the ship, right? And, way, and so anyhow, way, You know what? Way, way harder than the Hornet, just saying. Yes. No, absolutely. <laughs> but, but that's true, but not always different more than the A7. A7, you got a single engine. You have really slow spool up time. So you got to be ahead of your game. 
which I think, by the way, is a good message for business too. You got to be proactive, not reactive. Otherwise, you're gonna you're gonna crash. You know. Having said that, yeah. So I did my. You know, I, I went to the academies. I got rejected three times. They said I was not physically qualified. I know you've gone through some tremendous physical challenges lately, and so proud of you with uh, what you're trying to do and, and get back in the flying. You know, every path wasn't rosy. Uh, I didn't finish number one in my class academically. I was in the half that allowed the other half to be called the top, right? You know, but. You know what? You, you know, it's because you're a servant leader, Gucci. Well, well done. I hope so. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on it, right? I mean, I'm working on it. And, uh, and that's one thing that I do every day. I, I try to look inward. You know, the Blue Angels taught me very clearly. The Navy did, but the Blues that you, you got to look inward first, you know, and, but then you have to have this purpose larger than self, which is, you know, why are we doing this? You know, for the Blue Angels, we were ambassadors of goodwill. It wasn't even about the flying. That was just the tool that we use to make a positive impact on someone. And when I'm holding little kids in my arms after the air show, was the flying cool? Absolutely. We can dive into it. It's the coolest stuff I've ever done. But the look in the kids' eyes, being able to inspire mm-hmm. someone, and that's what I get to do now with work with companies and people all over the world. Usually, they're very good at what they do, right? And so this idea of how do the best get better. And all I did is I reverse engineered, Rammer, what I lived through, not only in the on the fleet, right, but in the Blue Angels. And then I went to Stanford Business School, got three master's degrees, you know, worked in venture capital when the boom and the bust right there in Silicon Valley. And I started to learn. And one question has drove me for this last two decades, and it it happened when the bubble burst, the technology. Remember that time frame? Yeah. Well, what happened was a thought hit my head and we're going into recession. You know, there's a lot of challenges going on in the world today. Right. How come? It was the how come question. But my how come was not how come the bubble burst. I've been asking myself this question. How come some people outperform others and some don't? How come some teams can consistently outperform like the Blue Angels and some don't? How come some organizations consistently outperform no matter what the market conditions are under people, under change? And like you said, you know, the deck of aircraft carrier, you got kids on there who some of them don't want to be there. And Blue Angels, a third of my team's new every year. Half my leadership is new every year. We rotate the pilots through. How come they can consistently be the best in the world? defined by flying closer together and lower to ground than any other team in the world when everybody else puts their best pilots up there too, right? And how come? And so, you know, I've had the rare privilege now, worked with over 1,500 organizations, the best of the best. Nick Saban brought me in with Alabama. You know, I get to learn what does it look like? And that's been the journey. And it's a journey of process and mindset. And that's what glad to be here means to me is this ability to pull all that together. What And what you said is... Uh stands out to me is in the blues, right? There's a tremendous amount of turnover and it's actually by design in the military, you don't build a team and then, you know, it's not like uh, you you take a team and you shape them over four or five years to go in a national championship, you know, and and, in football, especially college is the same way there. So, and, and you hear a lot of people like, oh, we can't get to a level of excellence. We have so much turnover. And so uh, just a question for you is, you know, you're looking at the blues you're looking at these high-performing companies, sports team. What are some of those elements of either the culture, the leadership style, like that you go, you, I'm sure you can walk in and probably spend half a day with a group and go, yep, they're going to get through the next period of adversity. And this group, they really need some help. 
Yeah, you know, I, I boil it down to three things because you start to see that this red thread, right? You know this when you work yeah. with so many people and organizations, you start to see a thread that it doesn't matter. Is it technology? Is it manufacturing? Is it supply chain? Is it the healthcare system? Is it sports teams? There's a red thread. And here's the three that I boil down to connect, align, and commit. So if I find a team, and this is what we work on, number one, first, connection matters. This matters in your personal relationship, okay? This matters in every relationship, business, person, and especially at a high-performance team. There has to be a connection. So that's why, I mean, in the last year, Rammer, I've got done over 100 live events. We've done over 62 virtual events. That's 162 of companies in a year who are trying to get their people to connect. Now, the next thing is, that's why getting back together again has been so powerful, but you need alignment, right? So it's one thing to connect and uh, it's a whole other thing then to align and getting this really thing. But the most important part, and companies do a pretty good job at that, you know, you can figure out how do we get alignment, is this commitment. And to me, it's a commitment to a purpose larger than self. When you see that, in an organization, whether it's the Blue Angels, whether it's the military, whether it's any one of these great companies I get to work with, now you got something special. And, uh, and that's where you get into this culture of excellence, this culture of caring, what I call a glad to be here culture, which is operational excellence with appreciation and gratitude. Well, I love that. And I, I want to start out with Connect. I was called in to coach a team that was really struggling. Uh, they had plateaued. They'd lost some of their key people. And so we were doing an offsite. It was the first time they'd done this in a while. And I had everybody just pair. I, I taught them about what an affirmation is. What, that, what does it actually oh, mean nice. to affirm somebody? Not a comment, not, you know, not a compliment, not flattery. But And so I had people pair up. And then I had people share and then as people were sharing, I, this one woman next to me, he, she'd been working with her colleague for eight years. And when she shared some stuff, I heard her make this comment. Oh, my gosh, I had no idea that you had three kids and four grandkids. Gucci, they've been working right. together for almost a decade. Any? Does anybody have any clue now why this place is an underperforming team? <laughs> We got to know, and you know what, I also think too, in today's world with this generation coming in, there is no such thing as work or life. You know, the, yeah. the work-life balance is not only a myth and always has been, but even now, everything yeah. for these this younger generation is totally integrated. And if we don't get to know people as a person, what their hopes, their dreams, their fears, their concerns, their bad experiences in the past, and and we work as hard at developing them individually as we do maybe technically and in their job skill. You, I, I don't, you know, that, those are some of the key things that it takes to really develop that connection on a team. Because it's hard to leave a team where you actually have friends. Yeah. Think about this. What is a place that you'd love to go to on Monday? Well, it'd be people that I like, connected to the purpose. My friends are there. They got my back. We're going to have fun. And we're doing cool stuff together. And if those aren't there, guess what? You you can build those in, can't you, Gucci? You know, you nailed it. I mean, it's funny. I, I was doing my podcast called The High Performance Zone. I'm not just pitching that. You and I. No, pitch about, away. Yeah, it's a fantastic no, no, podcast. No no. no, no, I got it. But my point is I learn from my guests every day, right? And you were talking to me about how you've grown this. And you learn from your guests, right? And just recently, one of my guests, you know, I, I was at the end say, what does glad to be here mean to you after we've had this conversation, right? And she goes, you know what? 
I get to do something I love. I get to work with people who I care about and care about me. And I get to make an impact on someone. What we're doing, you know, it's who I do it for. And that kind of summed up what I'm hearing you saying is, and to get to that level, you got to care, right? You got to care deeply about the people you're around with, but you also got to care for yourself. You got to take care of self-care, right? And it's a beautiful double-edged sword that I've seen on all these teams. And as going back to what you said about the carrier and, you know, you're a young junior officer, you're thrown into this, this, uh, division officer role. You may have 80 people working for you. I loved working with the troops. Um, and I got to realize that you got to be authentic. You know, you got to depend on your chief. You know that they're smarter than you. They know how to get the stuff done, but you're bringing something else to the table. And I loved with the troops and I found, you know, whether it's on the carrier deck or whether it's in an organization, you got to be authentic. People got to know you care. They also got to know you're vulnerable, that you're willing to learn and grow. That's one of my, I've got five, what I call percepts, uh, which by the way, are right out of the Bible or right out of any beautifully philosophy. And one of them is a learn, grow, give. So I'm in a constant state of learning like today with you. I'm in a constant state of growing, which because it's one thing to learn, that's just knowledge. I got to understand it. I got to put it into action. To me, that's the growing part, right? And then I realized that it's really about giving, right? And actually I got the order wrong. I think Giving comes first, but this learn, grow, give is a continuum. And once you learn, you called it servant leadership. Once you learn, by the way, which which I think I'm really working on, I'm not there yet, but I'm constantly thinking about it. And that is, you know, how can I give? Like, how can I make this the best podcast for your listeners? How can we do this for somebody else? Then you got something. And in the military, in the blues, that was the culture. We're constantly trying to get better. We're constantly got people, new people coming in. But we know what the mission is. We're all committed to it. By the way, the mission is called Ambassadors of Goodwill. I don't know if you knew that, Rammer. It's not, it, it's, that's what we call ourselves, Ambassadors of Goodwill. How cool is that if we could get that to the whole world? I love that. Well, you know what? We got to take a side note. Uh, okay. So thinking back your time flying, what is one of those memories when you were in the cockpit flying that just stands out the most? Well, usually your mind goes back to the times you almost died, right? Or something scared you. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, it's the same thing as sports teams, you know. That's, that's, where my, my, that's where my mind just went. It led yeah. to my in the barrel, which if people don't know what that yes. term means, I actually, it took me four times to land on the carrier. I destroyed my landing grades because I was on pace to be top 10 in the air wing. And, yep. it, and and the guy who was in my back seat, it's a much longer story in this, said that he didn't want to fly with me ever again. <laughs> so, so you not only scared there's, him, uh, there's a lot of lessons yourself. learned if I dug into the whole story. Yeah, trust yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. You know, it's funny in the barrel, like you said, you know, that's when you, you bolt or you get waved off, all that kind of stuff. And we all have those nights. I, I had a night in the barrel, but it, it was in the worst possible time, worst worst time. It's when I'm carrier qualifying. You know, I, I, I need to, yeah, you, you get it. So, so people, um, people, as you carrier qualification is basically you, you uh, basically pass or fail. And if you fail, it's not only really embarrassing, but it, it, you, it can be a very quick off ramp out of flying completely. So having a bad night behind the boat, when you're trying to get your, what's called your qual your qualification, bad timing, Gucci. Oh, really bad timing. In fact, here's the memory. So uh, 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 
and, and by the way, I was supposed to be the must pump. Okay. I was going to go directly to the midway. It's deployed. So you all know what that means to everybody else is you not only have to pass fail, you got to actually do pretty well. They got to have trust that you're not going to go out into the fleet and not have to go through workups. And basically you got to have your act together. So I'm designated as the must pump. There's only three of us in the, in the squadron going through. And that's where I want to be because I also know, even though I'm flying A7s, if I get to the midway, they're going to transition in F-18s in about a year and a half. So I'm going to have my dream job because no one was able to get the F-18 directly. I was too young at the time, right? So bottom line is everything, the path is laid out. I've worked my butt off, like you said. All I got to do is qual. And first night night and daytime landings are easy. You and I can talk about all that. Night landing. First one went decent. Okay. Not great, but not bad. Second one, I land and I don't stop. And you know what that's a bolter, right? So I miss all the wires. Now I, I start to get scared, right? And I don't know how you got into the barrel, but my mind starts thinking about all these struggles. Now I'm struggling. I come down the chute and they wave me off. I'm so ugly. They don't even let me try to touch down, right? You know what a wave off is. I think that happens one more time. The fourth time I land the jet wasn't pretty, but the tail hook caught the probably one wire. I have no, no clue. Bottom line is they shut me down. They, you know, they pull you off to the side and they go, you know, okay, get out of the airplane. I'm like, no, 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 I'm okay. Shoot me. Cause I like, I need more traps, right? Or, otherwise I'm not going to qual. They're like, no, 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 no. Get out of the airplane. And I'm the, the LSO comes down and here's the debris. Okay. We could talk about debris. He comes down. He looks at me. This is my rag replacement group, you know, God LSO. He looks at me, goes Gucci, you know, those orders to the midway gone. And he said, he goes, I'm going to give you one more chance. You're going to have 24 hours to think about this. We're going to give you one more chance tomorrow night. And if you don't show me something, you're out of here. I would, that's a fire notice, what you were saying, right? I mean, two years of training, of being a pilot, all the things that go into it, you got a fire notice. You say, because like you said, we don't have a use for you. You could be the greatest fighter pilot in the world. If you can't land it back on the ship, it doesn't matter. So anyhow, that was my struggle. Um, I will say that while I didn't do great that last night, the next night, I did well enough to at least pass. But they ended up giving me a carrier that you needed more time. It was coming back from cruise. And, you know, I turned out to be the best thing that ever happened in my life because I got in a squadron that at the time wasn't doing that great. And uh, we had all new people and the leadership was what was cool. And I learned leadership and I got opportunities that I wouldn't have had if I'd gone to this big fancy F-18 squadron. And we became the Battle East Squadron. I got to be a strike leader as a junior lieutenant, and it just turned out to be an amazing experience. And so I'm glad I went through that. But while you're going through it, it sucks, right? Yeah, you know, when you're when you're in it, like, uh, well, the first thing God said to me at my accident uh, when I was mm -hmm. laying there, my body was crushed, was all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. And I can tell you, as I was recovering and it was very long, I learned to trust God that, you know what, it might not be the outcome I wanted or it wasn't my desires, but what if God already knew that this was going to be the outcome, that you were going to struggle, and then all of a sudden you're in the right place? No no different in business, right? I've been in part of those teams where, yep. man, I, I've worked for some of the most horrible people, a boss, right? And it, I was the buffer between this guy, guy and my team. But you know what I learned, though, in that is, hey, how do I actually – 
reach a level of excellence working with somebody that not not only that I don't like, but doesn't even share my core beliefs. Wow. And I got to tell you, uh, being in that from a leadership perspective and not just saying for me, like I quit, I'm checking out, I'm going to quiet quit, right? I'm just going to go look for another job because I loved everything else about this job and I just felt like I needed to be there. And then uh, my one of my mentors said, maybe you're here to figure out how to learn to work with people like that because there's always going to be somebody like that that might come in and out of your life and either A, you're going to make a choice to let them affect you right. or you're going to make a choice to own the outcome, own your actions, own how you're feeling around them and own your thoughts. And when you can do that, you can excel in any environment because I struggled with it. And I got to tell you, that period of time, my wife, this is 25 years ago. My wife and I, my wife brought this guy's name up at dinner the other night. Like, <laughs> I think he traumatized her. But you know what? If you start to realize that, you know, everything we do in our life, it's actually part of helping us be almost get prepared for that next leadership opportunity, that next challenge, being a, a father, being a, a mother, uh, a husband, a wife, uh, Whatever, whatever you, whatever role uh, you guys have in your life. Well, here you go. I not only say yes to that 100%, but I believe we actually create those experiences. We don't even know it, right? Subconsciously. We're creating because God, you're right. God wants us to learn and grow. And so he's going to test us, right? And I think that's okay. I like being tested. But it doesn't always feel good when you're in the fire, right? Whereas iron sharpens iron, right? I love that, right? But the idea of that is something that, um, yeah, I learned the same thing. You know, I think back to the leaders that we got to be around. And in the military, you know, it, it is a, an incredible blessing. What a blessing you had in, in the civilian world also to be around someone who I learned more from leaders what not to do yeah. than what to do, right? It just, you know, I just, I remember being around people going, well, if I ever get that opportunity, I'm not going to do it like this, right? That's what sticks in your mind. And so, and look at the opportunity you have now. If, if you hadn't had that accent, which by the way, you know, everyone's got a, a story, but yours is like off the charts on, I hope I never get tested like that. I don't want to be, I'm, I'm not strong enough. You know, I'd be, I'd be like, no, please don't do that. Right. And yet I'm learning every day from um, people who really are special. Like my wife, she's, she's testing me in a beautiful way every day. And I realize I've got to be the one to grow. You know, it's, it's so easy to point a finger at someone else. It's hard to point three of them back at yourself, right? One of the things you talk about in your book, and I, and I love this, right? Um, you talk about joyful effort and you apply yeah. it to owning the outcome. Can you talk about that? Because you know what, there's Here's what I've seen in somebody that I would consider to be a transformational leader. And that is somebody that can come into an organization and make a permanent positive impact. And, and I know I like some it. of your other stories, that that is something that you have done. But we do that by taking personal responsibility yeah. for how we, how we think, how we feel about things, right? What our attitudes are toward people or situations and the actions that we take and we own it versus saying, no, that was the boss's fault. no. It's because of this, like, oh, that person ticked me off because of that. Well, no, it was a hard transition for me to get to the point where like, no, John, you chose to get frustrated and get short and then use sarcasm, which hurt that person. It damaged your relationship. And I didn't want to own it because then that's actually me admitting something. 
So you can actually see, right? Like one is a, you know, marginally effective leader. One is an extraordinary leader. And I'd love to know your thoughts on why that's so important and how people can close that gap. Well, I think the world is coming from us, not at us. Now I'll say that again, because it's a kind of deep thought, all right? The world's coming from you, not at you. And that means you got to take personal responsibility for everything that's happening in your life. Well, it's easy to do when things are going well, right? It's like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, that, that's because we put the time in, we worked hard, whatever you want to say, right? It's hard when things aren't going well, right? But it's still the same. It's, it's, it's true in, in my belief system, right? So back to what you're saying about joyful effort is I like, that's one of my first percepts. I got five, that's number one. And it's not enough just to put effort in. We all heard about, you know, you got to put the time in, 10,000 hours effort and all that. And I agree, there's a lot of effort that goes into being good at something. If you want to master something, if you want to be mastery, but joyful is the word that hits my heart. So when I think about effort, I'm thinking about my head. When I think about joy, I'm thinking about my heart. Right. And I find you got to connect the heart and the head. So why not every day have joyful effort as your goal? Right. Now, having said that, it gets to the second piece of that. And that is you got to own the outcome. And to me, that also means do whatever it takes. So you as a leader, you as an individual need the only outcome. It's not enough just to do your job. And I think you see this in business all the time in life. Someone says, well, I, you know, I did what I was supposed to do, and they're pointing a the finger. They may even say the person, or they, or they may not, right? But they withhold or they point a finger. To me, that doesn't cut it. And I learned this in the Blue Angels. You got six pilots flying in formation. You have 120 individuals. It's not just the six pilots, right? And do you need to do your job, Belichick? Number one, of course. And should you become world class at your job? Well, hell yeah, let's work at it. Let's become really good at what we do. But you know this on the carrier. It's not enough, okay? You gotta, you gotta work with everybody, and you gotta own the final outcome. So if you're on a strike, and I'm the F-14 doing a mix sweep, yeah, I'm gonna do my job. But if we don't, if we don't win the the battle, then I'm as much accountable as anybody else, right? So bottom line is, I, I think that's the cool part when you get people around you who own the outcome, especially in business, right? Now they're in life. Now you've got something. And that's on a personal side is, you know, I, I got to own the outcome. If things are going well, I could pat myself on the back, but not in a grandiose way, in a way of, okay, what went well? Let's let's replicate that. More importantly, wh what could I do to get better? Where, where do I have some gaps? A lot of times they're blind spots. I don't even see them. That's what's really good to have diversity and people around you who can point things out to you who aren't exactly like you, right? Who can say, hey, have you thought of this? And at the end of the day, are you making an impact? right? Are you making a difference in people's lives? Like your podcast does. Then I'm excited about something. Yeah, I, I love that. I'm glad you reinforced that. And so what you're talking about is, hey, how do I focus on, for me, greatness? Not from an yes. egotistical or prideful way, but how do I operate as a person with excellence? How do I show up in a situation where in the past I would get angry and be sarcastic? But now, I'm a little bit better. And guess what? You got to give yourself some grace because guess what? You're going to, some of these things are habits in your brain and you're going to fall back and you're going to make mistakes. But as you keep learning from that and just say, hey, what did I do well in that terrible interaction I just had? Is there anything that I learned? And here's what I believe. When we are on this pursuit to become a little bit better version of ourselves, 
and lead better, right? I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of just every day, try to find what is that small step I can take. A big part of yours though, is, is what you talk about, I love it, is inspire greatness in yeah. others. Now, how, what advice would you give to people? Like, how would you inspire greatness in others without being that guy, if you know what I mean? No, I love it. First off, you actually read the book. Not everybody reads the book and remembers <laughs> what they are. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's the fifth percept of uh, inspired greatness. And to me, the inspired piece, and I got this from a, a pastor once. I was, you know, sitting there. I love listening to other people talk, whether it's, you know, in business. I love listening to other keynote speakers. I love it, right? Because you learn, right? And he said, the word inspires means it, to breathe life into and when I heard that, I went, whoa, that's pretty cool. That resonates with me. Can I breathe life into? By the way, I love your dogs. I got two Rhodesian Ridgebacks we just rescued. They're running around behind me too. But the idea here is to breathe life into what? Somebody else's dreams, something else as an organization. Now, do I still need to do it to myself? Absolutely. And to me, the, when you inspire greatness, it's to live life in all its fullness. Right. And uh, I got that from when they, you know, they asked Jesus, why are you here? And I don't know what, what this is in which book, but, you know, why are you here? And that's a pretty big question. Why are you here? Not just Jesus, all of us. Right. And he said to give life in all its fullness. Now, when I first heard that, I went, OK, that's cool. Jesus can give it. So my job is to live it. Right. And now I've grown to the point where, no, nah, don't shortchange yourself. Yes, we got to live life in all its fullness, but you know, as a job, as a leader, let's give it. Let's give it as best we can to somebody else. I have a puppy and she came in with a squeaky toy that you might be able to <laughs> Oh my word, I forgot to close my... Well, you know what? Here's something I heard though in what you said, and that's this, is I can go to you, somebody can come to me and say, John, you need to be better at this. This would make you better. This would make you greater. That's kind of like the outside in approach. What I heard from what you said, though, is if I'm sitting down and I'm getting to know somebody, because you talked about connect first, right? And I actually yep. have a connection. But I said to you, hey, Gucci, you know what, in that interaction you just had, or that decision you just made, how do you, you know, what, what did you learn? How could you make it better? What, you know, what would be if you were showing up like this, what would it do for other important relationships in your life? And that is an inside out, because if we can Instead of trying to come along somebody and be the guru or the mentor telling people what to do and how to do it, right? That, I don't think that's inspiring greatness. I love the differentiation you made, but if we can come alongside people and almost be that Sherpa and connect them yeah. to that purpose that is so compelling that they'd actually like to develop maybe sort of self-awareness. They'd like to get more knowledge. They'd like to figure out how to apply it. Maybe they want to get coaching or they're willing to, you know, work with a mentor in their organization who's going to, you know, tell them some of the hard truths that they might need to hear because I've had to do that. And I love that. So, you know, inspiring greatness isn't like a something you do. It's something that you almost facilitate in somebody else by how you're showing up based on your relationship. And, and I, I, I just love the differentiation you made there. Well, I'm glad you, you pulled it out because I'm not sure that, um, yeah, it, it was subtle in there, right? I think when, when you use the word guide, and I love Sherpa. By the way, it's just in Nepal. We were doing cataract surgery. I wasn't. I was helping out. My buddies do it. 
way out in the boonies. We, we hiked up to the Everest Space Camp, that kind of stuff. But the bottom line, what you just said is what I heard, which is so critical, is this ability to look inward first for an outward result, right? So that's that inside out approach. And um, I was reading some in, well, two things I wanted to get across. I love Gandhi, you know, the idea where he said, be the change you want to see in the world. So anything, whether it's leadership, whether it's personal growth, whether it's my team, we got to emulate what we're trying to do. That's why in the debrief on the Blue Angels, it was so powerful because I got to see people being vulnerable being open and honest. And I think that, you know, in fighter pilot speak, you don't want to be vulnerable. Well, guess what? Just the opposite. There's strength and vulnerability, self-awareness, this awareness that you're talking about. Right. And so I, I've got an I am statement. Can I share this with you? Cause these are, these are powerful things. You know, I, I like to do, Oh, let me ask you a question first. Then I'll give you my I am statement. When you got that connection with that individual and she learned from the other person that they had grandkids and all this kind of stuff. What was the question you asked them in that breakout? Do you remember? You mean to get there or afterwards? Yeah. No, to get there. What, what were you asking them to do to connect, well, to get there? Oh, the first thing I did is I actually taught um, affirmations and then I modeled it with yep. one of the women on the team who had really, um, I just observed some things about her character that I thought were, just worth calling out, just wonderful things. And then I had them one-on-one nice. -on -one and practice. And it was such a culture where there was, affirmations were not part of the culture. And uh, I don't know, there was 14 people there, so seven pairs. It was for a number of the people in the room, it was deeply emotional because they'd never been yeah. told by a coworker that some of those things that they do and how they do it were actually appreciated. Whoa, I love it. Okay, so I like that you started with the affirmation, right? I do an exercise. Try this at your next one because I've, I've seen it work so well. Is just have people pair up and then answer this question. Who am I and why am I here? And you get people to have to dig down deep, right? Mm -hmm. Now, and then, and here's, here's what I do. I only give them like 45 seconds, which is hard, right? You can give them lunch. But then I say the second piece of this is what you're doing, the affirmation. The other person's only job is to listen and then they give appreciative feedback from what they heard. And that's what you created. And I watch that all the time when people do this. It's amazing. You can feel the energy in the room. They learn things about their, not only do they learn things about the other person, guess what? They learn things about themselves when they do the I am. So I'll give you mine real quick because it goes back to what you're talking about. Servant leadership is I read in a study Bible, an angel has five qualities. So my, my affirmation statement is very simple. I am an angel. That's all I say. I say, I'm an angel. I say that myself every morning. And when I say angel, I don't mean a blue angel. It's ironic that I got to do that because I read that an angel has five qualities. An angel's a messenger. An angel gives guidance. An angel protects. An angel's a warrior. Above all else, an angel serves others. I was like, whoa, I never heard that before. I was like, okay, I don't know if those are the five qualities, but if they are, I'm in. So that's, I found a word that resonates again with my heart. It does exactly what you're saying. And so that's my I am statement. Well, I, thanks for sharing that. You know what, uh, you know, sitting down and writing the, some of those, right? Taking the time to do that. It can be a process to get it. Oh there. yeah. But so worthwhile. Now guys, uh, you guys can connect with my buddy Gucci here at John Foley Inc. It's F-O-L-E-Y, JohnFoleyInc.com. Any other good websites or anything for you, Gucci? Yeah, the 
Well, the website's always the best because it's got the most information. But, you know, we're on social. LinkedIn works, too. It's under John Gucci Foley, you know, all, all platforms. But, yeah, I would say go to the website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Love that. And so and also, guys, you know, the book that's out there, the work he does, if you want an amazing keynote, something else I just appreciate. I've been able to meet uh, multiple members of your team. I've just been oh, so good. impressed with everybody and guys, they take 10% of their revenues and they donate it to charities. And we're doing that at my company too. It is rare. You guys have been able to donate millions to over 380 charities. You've impacted literally thousands and thousands of lives. So you're not just talking the talk, talking the walk, you're, you're walking the talk, so to speak. And that's about living in integrity. And that's just something that defines not only you, but the team that's around you, John. So with that, just as we kind of coming in here, we're rolling in, uh, you know, final. Uh, you're a little, uh, you're perfectly lined up at the start. Some people might get that reference. Uh, <laughs> it's important to have a good start, right? If you got yep. a good start, you're, you got a chance. You have a bad start, look out, man. Yeah, on flying jets. That's for sure. Not when you, but when you guys, when we'd come in to land behind the boat, we had a very specific pattern. We had to fly. The start is where you want to end up perfectly on glide slope and lined up on the center line of the runway. Because if you're high or low or left or right at the beginning, because you only have what ten or fifteen seconds. I don't. I can't remember exactly. Maybe a little bit longer, yeah. but not it much. Feels, it and feels. It feels longer. Corrections <laughs> because you started out wrong. You can get there, but you're making it so hard on yourself. But with that, as we're coming in to grab a three-wire, uh, Gucci, what are just some final thoughts you'd like to leave with everybody? Well, it's this idea of wisdom, right? This learn, grow, give, um, and connecting the heart and the head. I think that uh, when I think about wisdom, wisdom to me is freedom. Freedom to avoid what's causing me pain and they move closer to what's causing me love, right? So um, I'm constantly seeking wisdom, you know? And to me, that's not just knowledge. It's what you're doing. It's the ability to translate a story or a metaphor in a way that helps other people. And uh, that's compassion, right? It's not just empathy, but taking action. So what I would share is that that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm trying to uh, uh, take action in a way that, that helps others. At the end of the day, they've got to do the journey, right? We all got to do our own work and it's fun. And that's the last thing I'd leave you with. For me, glad to be here means everything we're talking about is joyful. It's fun. It doesn't mean you're not having hard days. It doesn't mean that you don't have incredible challenges that, that you represent. But at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're having fun and we're making a difference. So keep it up. That's glad to be here, man. Live a glad to be here life. That is awesome. Well, Gucci, keep knocking them alive out there, and I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you, Rammer. We got some deep stuff to get into on flying because there's not many people who know the subtleties that you were just talking about, about that night carrier landing. That's Glad true. to be here, buddy. All right, see you, champ. <laughs>